0: To production of the TO Network. This is Leisure Knees number 87. They got soul. I'm Aleph.
1: And I'm Sono. And this is Dino Knight Sentai Ryu Soldier. Episode one Ke Ryu Soldier. And episode 2, Make Our Souls One. Our episode writer was Yamaoka Junpei. Our director was Kamiho Richika. There are leads. For this show, uh, Yamaoka Junpei is a brand new name to us and to Tokusatsu in general, though he has a career in TV dramas and movies that dates back to 2010. I'm a little surprised they're bringing in someone entirely new for, sen- for you know, a sentai that is meant to make or break the franchise at this point. But then again, looking outside their general writer pool has done them pretty well over on Ryder and yamaoka seems to have a really interesting writing style and he doesn't seem to be afraid to take chances to make a good story and even on what is for super sentai a very safe premise he's doing some very interesting things
0: yeah he is it's we'll get into that sorry
1: go on uh Kazuya, on the other hand is a name we're a little more familiar with he's done handfuls of x-aid build and zeo as well as the build movies and i think he also did the specter movie uh, but this well, seems I... to be his first time as lead director um but he's also making some really cool and interesting visual choices i know we mentioned a couple over the course of this episode so i think we're gonna get to see some really cool visual stuff out of this show
0: yeah I mean and I I had not realized that it was the same guy who directed the build movies because I mean the the be the one movie
1: that is a wild ride
0: yeah it is, but visually just got all this stuff going on and I mean once once I hear you say that I'm it's just like okay that explains many things here
1: um also most of our core team. Uh, has Ryu Soldier as their debut roles for acting, but a few of them and a large part of our auxiliary cast are familiar faces. Uh, Asuna, who is Ryu Soul Pink, uh, is played by Osaki Chika, who we saw recently in Zio as another ghost's sister. Really? Yes, uh, oh. th- which seems to have been her first role, and this is her first major role, but since that was so recent, I thought it apt to point out. Uh, Wow. Kishida Tatsuya, who plays uh, Ryusol Black, has not been introduced yet, but I'm gonna bring him up anyway. Uh, He was Haruto's old soccer friend in Wizard. Hmm. Uh, He was a large part of Haruto's story arc, even though he was only around for two episodes. Um, And also, in a bit relative to literally only me he was in a drama called samurai high school which is one of my favorites i may or may not have mentioned it i believe i have a couple times on this show
0: a couple times yeah
1: uh imdb just lists him as student and tv nihon wiki does not provide me with episode numbers so after checking my old live blog i think he is just one of the students that's in the main character's class I think I did find him, but also that show is from exactly ten years ago, so he looked kind of different, so I'm not sure if that's him. Kikawada Masaya, who is Dad Red, Red Mentor, whatever, those three don't have names, I'm calling him Dad Red. He was Motoki in PGSM, uh, Mamoru's Best Friend, and also- Uh,
0: PGSM being- Uh, Pretty Guardian Sailor, yes. Okay.
1: Um, and also Hongo Takashi in, uh, Kamen Rider the First and the Next.
0: You know, I thought he looked familiar, but I could not place him. Okay. Cool. Alright. Uh, I'm glad he's in something where I've, it's, where I feel like he actually has a role that's his own. You know, relatively short as it was here. <laughs>
1: uh, Dad Blue, uh, Shibue Joji is *Common Rider Ibuki. Oh! And also mamaru tuxedo mask in pretty guardian sailor moon Hmm. uh and and then Sawai miu mom pink was usagi in pretty guardian sailor moon and also uh
0: so is this all just a big old pretty like the the previous generation are all sailor moon people they sure are that's amazing I'm sorry you were you were going on, I just
1: Um, she was also in Wizard as Common the Green Common Rider Mage's wife, who had the Green Common Rider Mage was Todoroki, and here she's hanging out with Ibuki. So that's a fun connection. Um she was also in episode forty two of Common Rider X-Aid, as the mother of that boy when everyone was getting the game virus and Nico decided she wanted to be a nurse. She was that lady. Oh. Wow. Uh, That's intense. Danjiro, who is old dinosaur man hanging out doing stuff, uh, is Gohideki from across the Ultraman franchise going all the way back to the 70s. Wow. So, he's kind of a big deal. And then our last one is Nakata Joji, who is the voice of Tenkjo. And if you're like me, and Tank Joe reminded you of Azald from Zoujir. Their shared voice might be the reason why. Nakata has several other roles, heading all the way back to Flashman, as well as a couple of Common Rider roles. Um, so look him up. He might be someone else that is more relevant, but I thought the Azald connect because Tank Joe just kept reminding me of Azald, and then they have the same voice.
0: Except like, good. That's, maybe that's not fair, but...
1: Azald was great when they let him do things.
0: Yeah, that's true, that's true. It's not the problem of the character. They it's just the problem
1: love. of that show didn't know how to use their villains, and this one seems like it does.
0: Yeah, they do. I, I like this show. Well, okay, before we, I guess, before we get into that, uh, Sono, why don't you give us some basic thoughts on the on these episodes, just to start us off?
1: Okay, so we're coming into a new Super Sentai, and I'm going into this as blind as I possibly can, which is always a challenge because everyone posts everything. Um, but I'm I'm delightfully surprised with what we're getting. Uh, we talked a lot in the last weeks of Lupot about how underperformance of the past two years meant that Ryu Soldier could be the last of Sentai for a while if not forever if it also can't bring in the numbers and man i feel like it's gonna bring in the numbers yeah uh as as i mentioned a dinosaur sentai is generally a safe bet because kids just freaking love dinosaurs and we've also had a pretty big resurgence of high fantasy in the past few years and i feel like that generally goes over well with kids too and I feel like its themes are all in the right place, and they've dialed back some of the, like, let's break the sentai mold. They're, they're still playing with concepts that we haven't seen in a long enough time that they'd be new to the target audience. Ryu Soldier's got a very old sentai feel to it, but with a lot of the energy of, like, post-gokaiger sentai. Or even like Tokuger Forward, I feel like even that's kind of its own specific energy, and it feels a lot like a true successor to the legacy of dinosaur-themed Sentai. It's got you know zoo Rangers, ancient dinosaur civilization that was at war with another enemy who went off into space. Um, it's got Oba Rangers big weird dinosaur robots. Just out there in the world hanging out and being friends, and also, um, if Zorg is a thing, which I believe he is, um, that's also coming straight out of Abba Ranger. And also just constant, massive tragedy all over the place. Um Yeah. And then it's got Kyoryu-Jer's kind of inheriting the mantles from soldiers past, and also a little some goofy little dancing in, in the henshin. But also there's a vlogger, and that's fascinating. And it's it's just combined all of this into this really weird new thing that also feels like I've had it forever. And it's honestly kind of amazing how much life this show felt like it had just the second it hit the ground. Like for all that I wasn't sure coming out of Strongest Battle about this show, the second we hit Ryu Soldier proper, I feel like I was I was in it to win it and I'm here and I'm ready to go. It's definitely been a while since I saw the first episode of Asentai and spent the entire next week being like, no, but I want episode two right now. Like, all in all, I'm just thrilled by what this show has set up within its first two episodes and the amount of heart that it's got. And I just, I can't wait to see where this is going.
0: Oh, big, big same. Because, like, I was also trying to go in as blind as possible. Like, the only things I found out were the name and the suit designs, because I admit I am always curious about the suit designs. Uh, And except for, yeah, they're probably going to be playing it kind of safe as far as themes go, I was also flying blind because, I mean, like, it's not like knowing any of the things would have made any of the stuff that happened here feel more interesting. Unless they told you straight up, oh yeah, by the way, their mentor figures are gonna die in the first episode, and if they did say that, that was a bad move on their part. I hope instead they spent a whole bunch of time like, yes, and they're very and they care a whole bunch about their their young charges, and they're gonna have lots of adventures. So that when this when episode one happens, you're like, what? Because uh, that's the only way it would be better would be if you expected them to stick around.
1: I, well, I feel like this guy watched the first two episodes of Ranger and is like, okay, hold my glass.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which, look, I, I like a little, hey, hold my beer. Or glass, or as the case may be. Because, uh, yeah, that's a good way to do it. But uh, a thing I picked up that, that I, I heard you mention happening in Kyoryuger... But I hadn't seen Kyo Ryuger, so I didn't see it coming, was that the theme that at least I started picking up on in these first couple episodes was also one of the core themes in Nininger, which is the idea that the kids today shouldn't feel beholden to doing what their parents or grandparents or whoever did, but it should instead forge their own path in a way that holds to the spirit of what came before, but which is nonetheless fundamentally their own. Um, And maybe it's a bit early to talk about that, but I just saw the potential for it, and and as we'll discuss in a minute or two, they just cleared away the forces which would have kept our heroes steeped in the old ways, even as they kind of create a moral necessity for them not to stray too far away from them, even if they wanted to, because, I mean... Their, their mentors are looking down on them from heaven and you can't really spit in their eye because they did die protecting you and also you love them. So, anyway, I just um, we're gonna get into more of the specifics as we go on it's but a very, I, I'm also really excited.
1: It's a very it's not an uncommon sentai motif, but it's one that you only get every like six or seven years.
0: Yeah, and I've only been in sentai for about that long, so like I only ever really saw it in Nininger. and it's,
1: it's a little really bit of Maji Ranger, so. it's a yeah, little bit Maji Ranger, little bit, um, a, li- a little bit Gecky Ranger. Once you hit a certain point in Gecky Ranger, never hit um, that point. It's it's a it's part of Endgame Gecky Ranger. Mm, good,
0: as it should be, because given the the themes involved, yeah. So well,
1: the setup it's. Really. Uh, so there's it it every now and then it kind of comes around, but it's definitely a lot more prominent here.
0: Yeah, than it is it, in
1: a lot of the other examples.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel like they could get away from it, because how are you not gonna every few episodes be like, yeah, uh, I hope that I'm doing this in a way that would make my mentor proud, because that that seems like. That would be the thing i would want to do anyway um but anyway uh, again we're going to get into the specifics in a second here but i just want to say that i'm also super excited especially since with the writing and visual style we're working with here it, it feels fresh and new even though on paper nothing new is happening which like i i like when people can make that happen um not to mention, they find a way to put together a real neat-looking robot. But uh, we're going to get into the specifics of that sort of thing in a sec, but first, we're just going to get our problems and nitpicks out of the way, because we like to do that, and it's it's nice to address any hashtag problematic stuff going on. So, Sono, why don't you start us off?
1: Okay, so this is not necessarily bad, and I don't think it's bad within the context of... Ryu Soldier, but the entire reason I'm bringing it up is bad, so this feels like the section to talk about it, just because as it happened, it was kind of this experience that I had to work through. Um, because Ui's initial filming is within Aokigahara. When we oh. first see her out in the woods, that is where she is.
0: Oh, wow. I'm glad I did not know that. Yikes. Okay. <laughs>
1: um a little background. Aokigahara is a forest on the northwest side of Mount Fuji. It is incredibly dense and being on Mount Fuji, there is lava beneath it. The ground is volcanic, so it absorbs the su- it absorbs sound. And while there are caves on the western edge of Aokigahara that are actually Uh, Fairly popular tourist sites and sites for school field trips, the forest itself is well known as one of the world's most prevalent sites for suicide, due to the forest being very very dense and it's very easy to just get in and get in deep to the point where it's very hard to be found. And in January of 2018, YouTuber and all-around general garbage human being Logan Paul posted a video of a trip to Japan that included a hike through Aokigahara specifically to, and please note my very heavy air quotes, look for bodies in the suicide forest. That included footage of he and his team finding the remains, of a victim and reacting very insensitively. I'm not going to speak further about this ordeal as my phrasing has probably made it clear where I stand on the issue, but I provide all of this entirely for context as to, you know, I see that sign and suddenly I've got a thing that I've got to work through mentally because Ui Two is a vlogger and seeing it cut to a sign that made it clear she was out vlogging in Aokigahara just filled me with dread.
0: And and if I can butt in, uh, that's legit, dude. Again, I'm glad I didn't realize that that's what was going on because... Mm, <laughs> uh, just get a plus one about uh, the garbage human being thing because uh, people wandering around with video cameras... In, in that forest.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, no. he's, he's a garbage human being for many other reasons as well, but that was when he first... Got, I had never heard of him before that.
0: Me either. But then it's just, like, a dude going around wanting to just get video of dead people and just put it out there. What the hell, man?
1: Yeah, I mean, thankfully, the joke within the show has... Absolutely nothing to do with any of this context that I've set up. And instead the joke is, Ui says she has traveled to the Amazon, and instead she's just at Mount Fuji. And that's the joke. And it also... The joke gives us the context and world building of this tribe, of this secret tribe of dinosaur people, are living in the incredibly dense forest that can't be navigated easily, and that's how they've stayed hidden for millions of years. So, like, it, it took me until maybe an hour after the episode to fully work my way through to that point, but I, it was maybe not necessary to bring all of this up because, again, what the scene is about has absolutely nothing to do with anything that I talked about, but I had just such a visceral gut reaction to vlogger in Aokigahara. Gahara. Yeah. And then had to do a lot of thinking about the way it was portrayed and how different the context would be to an audience in Japan to kids who have maybe gone on field trips to those caves uh, because I think they like fill with ice and and then like they go there in the summers or something I forget um, but the context of that would be very different to an audience of Japanese eight 8- to ten year olds. As opposed to us who don't really have any experience with Aokigahara outside of its kind of infamous reputation. And it was just something that I had to do a lot of thinking about after the first episode, and that I wanted to
0: talk about. Well, and I mean, look, uh, we got the microphones. <laughs> and also, I I don't know, I think it's... it's a. I think it's a good part of any any sort of even attempt at a critical engagement to talk about where you're at and the sorts of things that, that get brought to mind for you. Goodness knows I've gone on some really weird tangents with things that have been brought up, and yours at least was directly related to the location, so...
1: I mean, like, again, it's the scene itself was fine, there was nothing wrong with it, there was... I can't imagine anyone taking any kind of offense from it because, again, it's not related even slightly. The joke is just, she says she's in South America and she's literally, like, a 40-minute bike ride from her house. Um, But it was just such a thing that I had to think about that I wanted to talk about it. And now I did. On a much lighter note, I love Melto. I do. Like, of our, our main three, of our red, blue, and pink, I think he's my favorite. But, oh god, why is his name Melto? Like, what is- everyone else has a normal name! Ko and Asuna are just, like, normal people names, and his name is Melto. And I want to know what's up with that, because it's yeah. just, like, what?
0: Yeah, no, like, I'm imagining it's one of those things that maybe sounds better to a Japanese speech rhythm or or language aesthetic, because, but boy, to, to an English speaker, it's Melto, huh?
1: Yeah. It's, like, I'm wondering if it's just, you know, like, he's got the wig going on. I'm like, is there some kind of, like, deal with him? Is, like, something is something weird me. with him? And that's why his name is super weird? And he's got the hair? Like, I just, I want to know, but also, it's such a weird name. And I'm gonna have a hard time talking about him. But I'm gonna have to talk about him a lot because I love him. Um, so y'all, when the Elder catches Ui in the village and he tells Ko to, like, take her outside the village at dawn, I thought he was gonna say kill her instead of erase her memories. And, like, yeah, this is a kid show. Of course he's not gonna say kill her. But, like, that's such a setup for, like, take her out back and shoot her. Uh Uh-huh. Like, and I had no reasonable way to assume they could induce amnesia. So my brain just jumps straight to murder.
0: Okay, I mean, one, uh, especially in light of the location of their village that you just brought up, that that actually gets a lot more intense. And then you bring up what the memory eraser looks like. You know, a little, like, miniature sledgehammer. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, again, I know it's a joke, but... Like, there's a part of me that's like, oh, is is erase their memory a euphemism? Like, you just, you clock them upside the head with this hammer, and then you leave them, and, well, they don't come back, so they must have lost their memory. But also, mmm, Suicide Forest. Uh, it, there feels like there's a very kind of intense, ugly joke going on there.
1: Yeah, I feel like it might just be an unpleasant coincidence.
0: Yeah, but I mean, probably. Man. But man, mm, it's 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 intense.
1: Yeah. So going into episode 2, I know this is supposed to be, but Kurion like pouring slime into uh Mashima's mouth was so incredibly gross. It absolutely made my skin crawl and I know it's supposed to and I appreciate just how hard the show, the visuals in this show punch home every single idea. Like, it's great on that level, but oh man, gross. Also, Mishima's a really confusing entity. Like, two years ago, he left his family to devote himself entirely to fencing so he could look cool for his daughter so where has he been living for two years why did he need to leave to do this wouldn't working hard to be the best at fencing where his daughter could see him doing it be a good example for her to like work hard and not give up on the things she wants why is his wife not mad at him about this why does no one at all seem to think that this was maybe just a little bit messed up?
0: Yeah, that's that is a question I also had. Like, look, I'm sure there's some cultural stuff going on here, and and lots of implications that, like, I don't get anyway. But yeah, uh, it's a little little messed up because the amount of everyone should give up something for this dude to run off and achieve his dream, like, that's weird and creepy and kind of unhealthy to me. Like, even as I imagine where there's a level where they're trying to help kids in that situation find a context and, like, hey, kid, you should feel brave because you're helping someone else do the buh, buh 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 um, but I don't know, like, that's the nicest spin I can put on it, and the nicest spin I can put on it is it's gross and gaslighty as hell, so... Uh, I- I ain't for that part. Like, I know Toei is working hard, at least since Ghost, to try and, like, Hey, kids, uh, your parents aren't perfect, maybe here's a way for you to understand them a little, but... um, uh, nah, no. Like,
1: we still haven't gotten to a point where they've figured out how to do it.
0: Yeah, no, cause... I- yeah. <laughs> cause the thing is... In in like this instance, as with many of the ones back in Common Rider Ghost, uh, the thing to do is not hey you need to understand where your parents are coming from. It's hey your parents were wrong and bad, and it's okay if that's affected the way you guys relate now because they were wrong and they did a bunch of stuff to you, a person who could not do anything about it. But I imagine inside this uh, power fantasy escapist adventure show that that a super sentai is that's kind of off theme but man why just why like i can see the why of so many of the choices but i'm just like no
1: you know another why that i can't understand so. why why you gotta do a fart joke Ryu soldier
0: <laughs> that's that was a good pivot but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm also, again, understanding that kids love scatological humor. I'm just, I'm not there, man. Like,
1: I don't know. Why you gotta do a, f- at least, you know, they don't bring it up in the ending theme the way Kyo Ryuger did, but, like, why you gotta do oh, a really? fart joke? Oh, yeah, well, it's, they name off all the dinosaurs in the, in the Kyo Ryuji ending. So, you know, they name the battery that has the fart, the fart power. And I'm There's like,
0: a battery that has a fart power, huh?
1: Yeah, sure is. It's like this: you got the little night key thing that's got the fart power. You got the battery that's got the fart power. But at least you know, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully, I can just make forget it ever happened.
0: Anyway, but that's that's just sort of the 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 problems and nitpicks and like weird bits of moral outrage from us. Um, I, okay, actually, not weird. Not weird. I feel like the things we're annoyed, like the things we, we've got problems with are pretty fair. Like just, you I know, say
1: weird questions.
0: Yeah, like hmm, I disagree with this. Anyway, but let's get on to the stuff we did like because uh, this, is, this is a real good first two episodes of Sentai. Yeah,
1: it was. Okay, so the very first thing that hits me in this show from just the the first second, the first fade up from black is that the music in this show is is incredible. It feels like a ton of thought was put into what they wanted the soundscape of this show to be. Like, just from that very first shot of the swords, like, it's this close-up on the swords, you can't even see the people, combined with the music, tells you the entire theme of this show. You know that it's, like, got, you've got the dinosaur heads on the swords, and then you've got this kind of medieval music, and you're like, okay, night theme, dinosaur theme, let's go. And that follows through across the first two episodes. It's this really consistent soundscape, and I know that sounds like it should be a no-brainer and every show should have that, but they don't. They don't, and it's hard to do, and for it to be so clear so immediately from the first second of the first episode and then remain consistent through the end of the second episode, that's so good.
0: I yeah. And it feels like a thing that they should be busting out to save the franchise cuz boy, this show just feels like people poured their heart and souls into it in every frame. And and I know that that's I'm I'm talking about more than the music here, but wow, this show is good.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just like, y'all, I'm an audio engineer. This is uh stuff I notice and stuff I get excited about. The This podcast made me an audio engineer, so now you have to listen to me talking about audio stuff all the time.
0: I, I'm i here for it. That's that's dimension of, of these things I don't often notice so much, so having a reason to pay more attention, always good. Also, like you mentioned the night theme, and I know that this isn't a thing they bring in, in in audio or really anything except a pose, but I just like that on top of being knights, they're also the three musketeers. And I'm just excited about that for reasons I can't articulate very well, because it really is little more than the vaguest reference to a thing I know of. And yet, I, I think it's the implication of friendship and goodness that it's hard for me to separate from the idea of Three Musketeers. Because, yeah, these are three heroes here, unlike the Three Musketeers, are, are a fairly uncomplicated trio from the off, and I'm okay with that given that they're a very snazzy trio and they have a lot of interesting room to grow. I just, I just like when they cross the swords and basically do all for one, one for all. Just It's neat.
1: Also, speaking of music, I adore the opening song. I love it. It's really good. Um, it's got the same sort of tone and energy as some of the ones we ranked very highly when we were doing themes. Uh, it's very like Bokenger and Gokaijer and Zojer. Like it's it's very fun and energetic and it's got that kinda like epic hero feeling to it. And there's a to step away from the song for a second, there's a bit at the very beginning um of the opening where, you know, the, the stained glass panels are flipping and you see all of them and it introduces them and then in the background, you've got the Dino Knights busting out of the ground, and they're all going flying. And then you get to the end of it, and I notice Black is just sleeping in a hammock, completely undisturbed. And it reminds me of the bit in the go on your opening, when there's this big, like... S- the screen is split into seven things, and you see everyone driving. Except for Go-On-Black, who's just sitting there with his arms crossed it's just, like, it's little things like that that really help set character tones and make it clear that this show knows from the outset who it wants all of its characters to be, and I'm really excited for that because that's not always true.
0: No, it is not. I mean, because, like you're saying, the the whole thing feels so together and fully formed out the gate in a way that, like, we've had a few years of things being kind of slow to start in that respect. Like, we're not really sure who anyone is from the off or if they will stay that person for very long. Uh, like Sakuya. Though I was pretty okay when Sakuya changed, but still. the The feeling that we're not going to spend half the time waiting for the actual story to start or for it to keep going is very, very welcome.
1: Also, the ending is very fun. I can be sort of back and forth on dance endings, but this one... Uh, it reminds me a bit of Shinkenger or Tokujiru, though I'm not sure that qualifies as a dance ending. Or Maji Ranger, and I know it's the same artist who sings the Maji Ranger ending, so maybe that's why. Um, I'm not sure if she also sings the Shinkenger in- ending because I don't remember it that well. Um, but it's not pushing super hard the way Q Rangers or Kyorujers did, or even. Uh, Abba Rangers or Geki Rangers, because there's some of them that I'm really not fond of, but, like, I kind of like this song. I think it's cute. And it might become a little awkward at the mid and late points of the series when we've got a lot of really big heavy stuff going down. But I feel like for the vast majority of episodes, it'll be a pretty nice transition out.
0: Well, this is what you get when you have an ending dance, because... It's always like, okay, and now everything is so dark, all is lost, everybody dance! But at the same time, yeah, like, at least this one feels like it'll, it's not gonna be quite so jarring, because it, it feels like it has a little bit of a lead-in, and boy, the, that extra fraction of a second can mean everything. Yeah. <laughs> just, because otherwise it just, it is, Manju Oger had that a lot.
1: That was, yeah. That was- suho was very weird.
0: Yes, that's a very kind- that's a very kind way to put it.
1: So, I know I, I had my whole big thing at the top, um, but I love Ui, and I love that she's an adventure vlogger, and also, who designed her logo and her little, like, intro jingle? Because it's great, I love it. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned, I think it's really interesting that they're using a vlogger as our audience insert character. I would like to note that our lead writer, Yamaoka, was born in 1985, so he's roughly our age. And as such, I have some amount of trust in him to portray someone whose life was shaped by internet culture alongside people whose lives were not. But also, you know, I have a lot of curiosity as to how he's going to do it, because he's of an age to have lived that transition, as are we. And Ui is clearly a comedic role and a lot of her comedy comes out of this is the persona I play on the internet and I want to post all of this to my vlog. But it doesn't inherently feel like the joke is at the expense of vloggers and YouTubers. It's not like the joke is that like she's a vlogger and what she's doing doesn't matter. It's just that the joke is she's just very excited about all of this because she wants to share it with people and not that it's Bad to do that, it's just she's very excited about it. Uh, Like, it it paints it in a very, kind of a nice light. Um, I sure thought so. I think it's just like, the the joke is, oh, no, there's actually a secret thing here and they don't want you filming it. Um, And she still wants to film it. And I, I just kind of love the care that's been taken with Ui thus far in the first two episodes. And I'm really eager to see the kind of character she shapes into.
0: Same. Same, because, like you say, she's pretty clearly the comic character, but it's, it's not that LOL, she's dumb, and also bad thing that so often hack writers will use for a comedy character. More that her amateur anthropology gets her into those strange situations, and her earnest passion for the things she does sometimes makes the situation weird and funny and cool. So, like, honestly, she's one of the best audience inserts we've had in a while. Though, I mean, come to think, we haven't really had an audience insert who wasn't one of the the main crew in about a minute, which feels weird in hindsight.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, Kotaro was for like a hot minute until he became Sky Blue in episode like, nine? Five? Yeah. I don't pretty, know. Pretty he, quick. He, it did not take long. And I guess before that, it would be Mario, but they really didn't do a whole lot with him.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'd even call him author or audience surrogate. He's just a guy. I don't know. Just it's it's whatever, however we're going to define it. Like, it's a nice thing to have. And I I like that they've carved out a niche for Ui that could make for some really good episodes throughout yeah. that she could star in. And I, I hope that happens.
1: Yeah, because I mean- the last one I can really think of is Go Sager.
0: Just that that, gonna ki- be that kid
1: too. that they lived with. I, I mean, I know... See, Go Busters also didn't do a whole lot with the base crew, and I think that the girl in the base crew was originally supposed to be that, and then they just didn't do it. So I think, really, the kid in Go Sager is maybe the last one that we've had for quite a while. And yo. he got he got some really good episodes. So I'd love to see what they're gonna do with Ui. Also, I love the bit of Ko, like, popping out of the woods over her shoulder, being like, yo, what's this weird girl doing? It looks fun as heck! And then, like, instantly vanishing because his dinosaur dad was like, no! And here's all the lore about why we're separated from normal humans and why you can't go out there and do that. Like, it's a moment that really helped, one, build the tone of the show... And also really naturally give some exposition as to, you know, like, why they're hidden and why they're not just out interacting with the normal world. And it's the way it's- it also kind of gives a sense of the way this show is going to transition between the comedy of the show and the drama of the show. And I thought it was just really cute and well done, and it flowed very well. It
0: did. And and there's a lot of fun stuff going, you know, again- with the the hammer memory eraser, just like oof, still intense, but it it is kind hearted and sweetly slapstick in a way that'll go back and forth without feeling too terribly off kilter, which is pretty impressive. But seeing as as we mentioned earlier that the writer did do well in an earlier episode uh, a mini series about Inspector Zenigata. Uh, which means that you have to be able to go back and forth from ha-ha sweet slapstick to things getting very serious indeed if you're going to write about Inspector Zenigata, because that's all he does. And if you can't write slapstick going serious and back again, you can't write in Zenigata, because if you just make him a toolbox, he's not Inspector Zenigata. And if you make him just serious business, he's not Inspector Zanigata. Anyway, uh, moving on.
1: So, I love Kurian. Like, Tank jo is also really cool, but Kurian feels like Yamaoka looked at Lucky Uro from Kyo Ryuji and thought, okay, this is cool, but what if he actually does some stuff and is legitimately evil instead of this kind of morally ambiguous figure. Like, she's just weird and creepy and enjoys making trouble, and I
0: love her. Same, though. Because that cool little mushroom kid just wants to wreck stuff, and I am here for it. Especially since, honestly, I dig on them using the relatively innocent-seeming caprice of a child as a vector for being a full-on villain. Because... Honestly, and especially for the, the target demographic, that is way scarier than any scheming supervillain you could think of. Because, man, that's that's a little kid. They'll just they'll make up a name and attach it to you, and you'll never be able to get rid of it. And it's going to wreck your life, man! I mean, you know, again, for, for your foreseeable future when you're like 8 to 10. Other kids are scary as heck. And I just, I just like it.
1: Also, it looks like we're gonna get six more kind of boss level uh, druidons, who, based on that lineup, look like they might have some really neat designs. We see the silhouettes of all of them, and at least two of them are definitely ladies. So uh, don't let me down, Ryu Soldier. Make them good, because I'm actually kind of weirdly invested in this group of villains in a way that I haven't been maybe since Tokuger.
0: In fairness, like, the Tokuger villains are top-notch. Oh, yeah. they great. And it doesn't hurt that, uh, as, as you pointed out to me, that they have kind of a, a chess piece theme going on. So, if nothing else, they gotta have a queen. And I look forward to the episode that we'll just call Yas Queen Slay. Because uh something tells me, like, when we get to the Queen, it, again, if we're going if we're going on chess, uh that's what she do. Yeah, and
1: it's just like I loved Dograno in Lupot. Oh yeah. And I loved um Gauche, And I loved Destra. But I kind of just loved them all as their own individual things. Where here I kind of I love the concept of the villains where in Lupot, the like this kind of evil monster mafia was a neat idea, but it never felt quite as cohesive as it could have.
0: No, not really.
1: And I think that was in part due to the fact that they were all kind of competing with each other to, to take Dogranio's spot where here the, the, the Druidons feel very cohesive they feel very together i can't imagine any of them really turning on each other like there there's no real reason for them to so i'm Yeah, no,
0: they're they're just here to take over like there's yeah, no, there's really no very, reason to have infighting
1: it's just a very interesting group of villains that again feel like very old sentai villains they feel like the guyark or the questers or um everyone from Inferentia. it feels very much like that and that's kind of a good feeling because i feel like we've gotten way too far away from that speaking of it's really interesting that their name invokes druids and it's early enough that i can't quite suss out what i want to take away from that yet because uh old Old Man Dino Dino Lord also felt a little bit druidy, so I'm I'm not quite sure what I'm pulling from that yet. But it's it, it's a very interesting thing for them to be getting their name from, and it's got me curious.
0: Yeah, same. Um, on a related note to to the druidons, um, and this is this is a stupid little thing, but I love. That while Tankjo teleports out, you know, in, in a pretty classic style, like with a little special effect gate thing, uh, Korean just zips around like a mushroom ought to, just shrinking in one place and then popping up somewhere else. It's just weird and cute and kind of gross if you stop and think about it, in a way that like works really well for a terrible slime oozing mushroom baddie who likes to play the the chaotic trickster um i love Korean so much
1: she's so good she's so okay. good i love is, her
0: is Korean a she or because
1: there there i feel like there was something that indicated to me that she was a she but okay. also her the person in the suit is a woman yeah okay. and that makes sense they don't use woman suit actors if the character is not a woman
0: Okay, I They barely just...
1: even use woman suit characters when the character is a woman.
0: Yeah, no. It's it's just I've I've seen uh in previous Tokusatsu things and like I I know it is dangerous to try and essentialize uh the the way things are the symbols things are meant to to evoke in a different culture where, in which you are not a native because there was a uh, mushroom Grongi back in Kuga who was sort of uh, gender non-conforming type, and it's just I was just wondering if if maybe we were supposed to read crayon as a gender. Uh,
1: possibly gender again, like the. Shrug. I mean, I believe mushrooms generally are.
0: Yeah. I, again, this is. I was just wanting to make sure, like we can we can build a style guide so that
1: yeah and I, until I know otherwise, I'm gonna go with she just because again Toei will suit, barely put but... a woman in the suit if it's if it is a woman, yeah so i uh, again I am like,
0: just hey you you could have a we could have a lady centai villain from the off and she can be a favorite,
1: yeah, and she's cool and weird and gross. a lady gets to be gross,
0: yeah dude, that is. You do not get that very often.
1: Like, I love it. She gets to be gross and weird and creepy. So I'm, I'm going to go with she for now.
0: Okay. I just I wanted to put that out there because I, I just wasn't sure.
1: Uh, I, I need to listen to her pronouns and hear what she uses. Um, also, speaking of, I didn't write this in the notes, but now that I've brought it up. Um, Ui uses atashi which is very interesting Ooh. um it's a and very a uh using using atashi is sort of frowned upon because it's very um a bit I believe a bit childish and also hyper feminine mm hmm so I think again it's part of her playing into this persona that she's built for the internet. But I just thought it was very interesting for her to use this pronoun that's definitely uncommon and definitely kind of socially frowned upon.
0: Interesting.
1: So there's this shot um where we're in Toei Stonehenge and they they have just been talking about the Dino Knights and that they need to find them. And you've got Mom Pink saying, like, we're the only ones who can protect them. And the camera shifts and we're outside of Stonehenge. And you see this kind of crowd gathered around the structure. And that is their entire civilization. And we see the six of them, the the former Ryu soldiers who have now and their successors through the pillars and it's this incredible shot with all of this visual symbolism that's marking these kids as the protectors of their people and they're closer to the people while the mentors are kind of further back behind them it's it's such a great shot
0: it really is, it's gorgeous It's
1: again, this is uh, Kamihorichi's first lead directing role but he's He's really racked up the practice in other shows, yeah. and he he definitely knows his visual style.
0: He I mean, knows again, the
1: things he wants to portray, and it's I'm so glad.
0: Yeah, the, that Common Rider build movie? Mwah! It's gorgeous. So many if great we, shots. In, in if
1: this. we get a chance, we definitely need to do a rider jump on Be The One.
0: I'd be, that movie I'm,
1: is so good.
0: Yeah, it is. I'm here for it.
1: Okay, so guys... Guys Pink Strong <laughs>
0: She's so strong
1: Pink Strong So she strong just, She just flings Ko into a mountain
0: Yeah and just kicking up that little dust trail just like it, it just highlights that oh yeah it's not even a thing. And She's like, just like y'all He's gone.
1: Like y'all I know I just got done complaining about Luca. And I kinda got my back up a little when she like then turns and like threatens to punch Melto. But the actual pushing of Ko felt like a thing where, you know, she sort of can't control her own strength when she's not thinking about it. Like, normally she's got to be, like, real restrained and kind of pulls her punches a little so she doesn't destroy everything, but he, he got her upset, so she just, she pushed him and it was maybe too hard and didn't realize it. Um, or just kind of the sort of thing to prove the point that she's the muscle and that Pink's strong. It doesn't feel like this will be the ongoing joke of her character the way it was with Luka. Like, we'll see. If it is, then I can't imagine that I'm gonna be fond of it for all that long. But it's just, she's the one whose gimmick is strong, and I really love that. It's like, Luka's gimmick was, I threatened to punch my friends. Where Asuna's gimmick is strong. Like, her, her... D&D class is barbarian.
0: Yeah. And, and okay, just sort of bounce off that. I was, I got talking with my partner after the first episode because it was very exciting and a lot of cool things happened. Uh, and she was extra excited about Pink Strong because it's the first time in a while in Sentai that the power fantasy for the girl or the pink, because, you know, the pink is usually the most hyper-feminine one, is it actually gets to be more than, like, the girl. It is more than being, like, hey, I'm level-headed, I'm, like, team mom, even though I'm as young or younger than everyone else on this crew. Why don't you all know how to act like people? Instead, like, she gets to be sweet, and she gets to be kind and silly and supportive, which are all good traits, and, and traits often... Uh, Associated with the pink, and please do not get it twisted. I'm not saying those are bad traits, but it also tends not to make the character a power fantasy. Because, like, hey, you know, you it's cool. You can be on the team. You can do some fights and bada bada bada. But it's not like, hey, guess what? If you're Asuna, if you if we go out and we're playing, like, there's no way the boys can say, yeah, but you know, you hit me and it didn't work. It's like, no, that's Asuna's thing. <laughs> I have the sword, I hit you, you are cut in half, dude. Sorry, that's just how this goes.
1: She hits you and it works too well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, it is a power fantasy for the girls, and you don't see that a ton.
1: No, and look, now we've got that, and we've got gross mushroom girl. Yeah. Like, man, get me in this.
0: Yeah, the, the girls can, like, I like that, yeah, guys can be... Cool main heroes or broody sword nerds, but again, how often does the lady get to be the best at wrecking stuff with her bare hands? Like I feel like it's been since Bokenger, though I've missed a few in, in the interim, so
1: maybe uh, well, I mean, I mean Geki Ranger. Um,
0: okay, yeah, I didn't, yeah.
1: Cause man, the ladies in Geki Ranger will destroy you without trying. Rock. Um Go under, Shinkenger, Sager. Mm, Monet was pretty good, but that wasn't like her gimmick. Yeah. Like there was also Agri, who was just as good, if not better, than his sister. Um, so Sager, Go Kyger, Go, Go Busters, Kyoto. Uh, I guess Sella.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess.
1: I mean, it's not like they did a whole heck of a lot with it, and we're only on episode two here, we'll see how much they do with it here, mm. but I feel like there's Sela, and then you're going back to Ranger.
0: Yeah. So, like, it's, it's, like, I bet it feels really cool for, like, the girls who are just like, hey, Super Sentai, right on, I can be this girl, and I can just launch this dude into a mountain.
1: Although I guess Kagura also, because her thing was she would imagine herself really, really, really strong and then destroy everyone. That's
0: true. That's true. And she did just wreck Doggy Kruger, like, a couple weeks ago. That's true. That was... that was beautiful.
1: And see, these are all, like, the best sentai that do this, except zuo But Sela was really good. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, okay, I can't believe I forgot Kagura. But it's... it just... it... There haven't been a ton, is the point. Yeah, like, if you can name all the ones that there are, eh, there haven't been enough.
1: Um, so I really appreciate that moment of, you know, the three mentors just walking through the woods, hanging out, being like, Are we sure our kids are ready? Nah, we've got great kids. They're kids, but they're great. We love oh. them so much, they'll be fine. And like it's impressive how much they really get us to care for these three characters that we've known for literally ten minutes, so that they can rip our heart out at the end of the episode.
0: Yeah, not even the
1: end of the episode. It's like two minutes after.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's after the after the the act break slash first commercial. Like, hey, what's up? Hope you didn't like having a heart. Because yeah, they're like out the gate everyone is good and with good hearts and we know what their deals are and they they sell it so hard in this super short amount of time it is so dense without being too dense i'm very i'm very impressed by it especially since there's not like a big noise being made about all the characters like we're just seeing them in these little fractions of moments at a time But they're the right ones that tell you who these people are and what everyone's relationships are like. So, yeah, when you get just the little walk through the forest, like, yeah, you know, I I do worry, but this is the right thing we're doing because they're ready. Like, that's, it's beautiful because you get those people.
1: We've had a lot of reds the past couple of years who started on shaky ground.
0: Oof, that's an understatement. Like, a lot of
1: them. Uh most of them going back quite a ways. Um, And, you know, they've all grown into themselves, but we've had a series of Reds, generally with their particular Super Sentai as their breakout role, who couldn't quite hit their mark at the start of the show. Many of them got there by the end, but Ko hits that mark in episode one better than I could have expected.
0: Episode one, minute one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Just, I appreciate them holding him back from Strongest Battle to let episode one of Re Soldier be when we first meet him. Because only knowing him in that moment, not having had, you know, several weeks to kind of ruminate on his actions in regards to, to something unrelated to his show makes that moment where his master steps in front of him to take that hit and then collapses onto him and like ko is just screaming like that was heartbreaking and then they one-two punch it by cutting back to the others and blue and pink grab melto and asana and throw them out of the way only to be obliterated by the minusaur that was gut-wrenching and I didn't think Sentai still had the guts to pull such a bold move. Again, this is a, this is a dude who must have watched Maji Ranger and was like, "Hold my beer." Yep. Because we haven't seen anything like that since then. And you know, I give all three of our lead kids a lot of credit for really selling those moments, given how new all three of them are, to acting and long form acting and TV acting. These three have really strong careers ahead of them.
0: Yeah, they really do, and especially since, like, I don't know about you. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm one, I'm just am agreeing about their careers because, yeah. But just to to go back to the bit where blue and pink, uh, were just you know obliterated. Just
1: There's I kept nothing ex- left. Yeah,
0: I kept expecting Dino Dad to intervene or for like the robots to pop up and like, haha, we already, we were only pretending that your somehow already well established parental figures were dead by horrible monsters. We've, we've saved them or something. But no, no, they're just, they're just gone. I, I swore out loud when Papa Blue and Mama Pink got vaporized because it was vicious. Same. Just like, like I had to hit pause and just like, you know, expletive deleted here. Just a long side expletive. Because, I mean, what do you say? Yeah. And honestly, like, on top of the episode having those guts, because it got guts in spades, man. Such plentiful organs. It did a lot as far as being a great way to get someone who doesn't already know what Sentai is, and what it does, and what it's about, on board with the whole idea With little trouble. Like, if you watch this, and you're like, hey, there's a whole series I could watch, just marathon? Okay, if you weren't into Sentai before, this would be a great way to get someone in. Just, here's the basic setup for what we do in this series, and Sentai generally. And here are some character conflicts. Here's the monsters, here's the robots. Go! Like, I I loved Lupot's opening, don't misunderstand me, but this one is one of the strongest and densest first episodes we've had since tokuger
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Cause it's just every, like I, I go back through every now and again, just to watch the first episode of tokuger to be like, Hey, what should, how do you introduce a serialized story? Because tokuger and this, they do all the things you need to do. Who are the characters? What are their conflicts? Like, how do they relate to each other? Who are the villains? What do they want? What are the toys? How do you play with the toys? What makes this Super Sentai different than the previous one you saw? Like, it, it inside the franchise and in its own space, it explains everything you need to know. And I'm just, I'm really impressed. And on top of that, I also want to throw out That there's something in the way the Minosaurs and the giant robot are framed and filmed that constantly makes me think of Ultraman. I don't know if that's just me, especially since I don't, like, I, we, I didn't hear you mention, uh, Horoichi, is that it? Yes. Yeah, I didn't hear you mention Horoichi working on Ultraman, but, wow, there was a lot of Ultraman in there. Which, by the way, not a bad thing. I, I, I'm not... A massive ultraman guy, but what I've seen was enjoyable, and they really know how to do a monster fight on Ultraman, because that's that's all the show is that's i mean that's not all it is there's a lot of good sci fi stuff a lot of character stuff, but the gimmick is hey, a dude go and get big and he gonna fight a godzilla and that's what happens here, and it just they really know how to do a monster fight here like the the little details with uh, the robot bouncing off the side of a hill, just a little kick off, and we zoom in on the feet, just pap pap, and then going into the next frame. It's Horuchi knows how to do a fight in Sentai, knows how to do some some tokusatsu fights, and I realize that that doesn't sound like it should be the praise that it is because it's like, uh, hey, what's up? You know how to write a when you're typing, you know how to write a word but a lot of people don't know how to do the frame of a of a tokusatsu fight scene in a way that's like hey what's up this is a tokusatsu fight scene mostly cuz they're trying to make it look like either too realistic or or try to downplay the fact that yeah okay it's it's a dude in a monster suit fighting a dude in a robot suit uh we don't want to to embarrass ourselves by taking it seriously but this is just like no hey, what's up? There's a dude in this monster suit, there's a dude in this robot suit, they go on a fight on this big old cardboard landscape. Ain't it cool? And the answer, of course, is, yeah. Yeah, it's way cool. Sorry, I just, um, the direction in those fight scenes was sick, dude.
1: <laughs> there's a sincerity to this show. Yes. That I feel we have not properly had in a long time.
0: Yeah, it feels like just a love of Super Sentai, which, You know, seeing as this is the one that's trying to save Super Sentai, you'd want, but still.
1: Also, I love that we've got kind of a long henshin, which is fun and has the little dancing night guys and a couple moments for the kids to get, like, really excited about the fight that's going to happen. And then also we've got a short henshin that'll just cut right to putting the armor on for the more dramatic bits where not only do they need to get right into the fight, because they need all the time they can get for the fight, but also where the go- little dancey goofy knights, while very charming, would be kind of inappropriate. Like, that would be super inappropriate when Ko is going in to fight Tank Joe right after his mentor died. Yeah. Like, the greatest strength to the long henshin with the long kind of goofy henshin is that sometimes we just don't do it.
0: Oh, if only more... Tokusatsu would remember that you don't have to do the big thing all the time. Honestly, like I like I like like I like a lot of common rider henshins. I I wouldn't mind if every now and again we could just like, okay, let's not do the whole build up. You just you hit the belt and you're the dude. We got stuff to do. Just turn down the turn down the singing belt even. Let's go.
1: Like it's it's just a really good balance cuz I mean they transform six or seven times over these yeah. two episodes, and we see the long henshin twice at most. Like, we only see those little dance and night guys, like, twice. And it's a, it's a really good balance, and again, I feel like they looked at Kyo Ryuji and thought, this was a fun concept, but let's take a second pass and try to improve it a little bit, which is definitely what it needed, because if... The, the three of them themselves don't have to dance, you can sometimes just skip over the dancing. Where in Kyo Ryuger, they had to do the dance,
0: and- Boy, that had to get real weird when stuff got intense.
1: Yeah, no, that was the problem, because you'd get these really intense fights late in the show, and then they're, you know, you've got the whistles, and, you know, the the carnival music, and they're doing the little dance, and I'm like, this is very inappropriate for what's going on.
0: A man has died. Daigo. Daigo, right? Okay, I, I, again, I, I, it wasn't a show for me. I, I barely remember anything about it. Anyway, uh, moving on to episode two, right?
1: Yes, uh, Tiramigo is an adorable name. <laughs> and I love that Cone like, saw this dinosaur and is like, I'm gonna name it. And I hope all of their names are equally cute and that everyone is naming their dinosaur friend and giving them nose paths and bonding with them.
0: Same. Because dino friends are what I am all about. And I think in these dark times, being friends with our giant robot dinosaur friends is something the world needs more of. Love, sweet love, and dinosaur friends. They're
1: good. They're,
0: they're good they're dinosaurs, right? I'm still so happy that Pink gets the Ankylosaur. I'm probably going to return to this later, but um, Ankylosaur is my favorite dinosaur. I don't know what y'all's favorite dinosaur is. That's mine. Uh,
1: my favorite dinosaurs are Parasaurs. I'm hoping that there's one in this show somewhere. But also, Ranger already spoiled me with a green Parasaur, so I don't think I can get that lucky um, a third time, because uh, Kyoryuger also- ha- Black had a Parasaur. Uh, so I, I don't think I'm gonna get lucky a third time I hope and have not. a third Parasaur. I hope that there's one. I would love. I don't know if they're gonna get dinosaurs beyond their their core dinosaurs, um, the way that Abra Ranger and Kyuuger did, or if it's gonna be more of a Zoo Ranger thing where they've got just the one, the one dinosaur each.
0: Well, it'd be best. It'd be better if they could all have the one dinosaur each, and then they flip their helmets open and they have a second dinosaur each.
1: God, Zwojer, why would you do this? You built in an entire mechanic that you never used.
0: Yeah, you only used it on one dude. And boy, it wasn't great.
1: Like, you could could see it on their helmets, that they were able to do it. I want to just go to Toei and, like, just find them and flip them all up and see what it was. It makes me so mad.
0: Let me see the design documents, you guys. Just let me look.
1: I know you planned for this. So seeing Melto get excited over all of the archaeological research was really cute. Yeah, it was. Like, again, I mentioned I was already very fond of him as he started developing his blue traits, because he was, like, the serious strategic fighter. He's the swords- like, the best swordsman in the group. And he's kind of the logical thinker. And I love a good blue. Um, That's a very- you know, early 2000s blue trait. It's very Hoji. Um, very Hoji, very Ren, or Retsu. Retsu. Though a little bit Ren from go on Ger, But he's also very quickly getting those kind of goofy, nerdy, easily excited by a special interest or just anything he finds interesting traits. Which is again, very Ren, very Sota. And it's just, I'm I'm absolutely endeared to him. He's, he's such a throwback to that style of blue.
0: And I, yeah, I also am very excited by him, because especially since he highlights all kinds of good character stuff they can build on in the future, and helps highlight other good character stuff in other characters. Because his being excited about the archaeological research it leads us into Ui's dad talking about, hey, he's a paleontologist and Ui herself is kind of an amateur anthropologist. So having Melto be fascinated by archaeology and, and by extension paleontology creates all kinds of vectors for discussion of that oh-so-important scientific discipline, and the scientific method in general, which um, I'm all about, and in a show aimed at young kids, I, I think it's very good for us to introduce the scientific method as a, as a philosophical mode as early as possible. I'm not even a huge, like, oh, only STEM matters, but Hey, science is something everyone can appreciate. And also these are science these are cool. quote unquote soft sciences about history yeah. and extrapolation and who people are and how they relate to each other. Sorry, I talked to him.
1: It's it's no, it's just I'm I'm agreeing. Um it's just I'm and like he's really excited and he gets a little embarrassed when they're like, Oh, he's Look Look at Melto enjoying himself. He doesn't get to do this very often. I'm really hoping that, like, him and Ui get a good episode together about so. how much he loves this stuff. That'd be very nice. Um, also, I love when Ui asks her dad if, you know, the three of them can live with with her, and everyone kind of scrambles in and starts fixing their hair and straightening their clothes and trying to look all polite <laughs> and upstanding so her dad will like them. And he's just so relieved that his daughter has friends. <laughs> Like, he seems like a nice dad, and he's very sweet, and I'm- the opening gives me some worries about maybe where the show is going with him, but I'm gonna- I'm gonna- I can't- again, I can't quite suss out what I'm feeling yet, because it's very early, so I'm just gonna kinda, like, put that on the back burner, but he seems very nice.
0: He does. I- I hope he turns out to be cool all the way through, but- uh, I'm gonna at least enjoy him being cool until, if unless he turns. I just don't want. I don't want Sentai to have a bad dad. Plague. Yeah. I'm really, I feel like it's a good narrative hook, but man, they've just been running it into the ground.
1: Yeah, you gotta just stop using it for a little while. I do love that, you know, when they first see Mishima, Ko just keeps trying to run in and is like, Are you a dinosaur man like us? <laughs> You're so good, are you a dinosaur man? Like, he's just that balance of this the serious, confident red, and the super goofy, high-energy red that I really love, and we definitely have not seen properly since at least Gokaijar. Though a lot of Marvelous's goofiness was just how cool he looks in the face of goofiness.
0: That is very true.
1: But, like, go- Or maybe go-busters. But it's just like, anytime the plot is happening, Ko is very- He's upright and strong, and he's ready to fight for justice on behalf of the world. But this show is not afraid to make a weird, goofy joke at his expense.
0: And, my... and like,
1: throw him into a mountain.
0: I like that. I, I like when we can have a chuckle at the red. Because boy, I get, I get real ornery about godlike reds. Because why? You don't. You haven't earned it. You just got here, you dingus. But also, it it lets co-evoke not only that that good, good Captain Marvelous energy in a matter that is completely different from Captain Marvelous, but he also, for me, evokes. Uh, especially with the yellow thunderbolt motif on the suits, uh, the old faucet Captain Marvel, uh, nowadays known to the kids as Shazam, and I like having that in the design and also in his characterization, because he kind of reads like the eager kid who is also the serious business superhero. Which um, I'm, an, I'm an easy mark for it, because that'd be that's the kind of thing you'd want to project yourself onto if you're a certain kind of kid, you know?
1: Fair enough. A design decision that I really enjoy is that even after the Minosaur has been separated from the human whose negative emotions it's made from, anytime it's active, it's still affecting the human host and will then start draining energy from them. It keeps the stakes real high in a way that doesn't always happen in Sentai. Um, it's very Xade. Yeah. And uh, it it makes... The fact that it doesn't happen in Sentai, where, like, they'll take a monster from a person somehow, and then it just- that person is just unrelated for the rest of the thing, or the monsters just kind of come out of nowhere, it makes some of the monsters of the week fall flat if their gimmick isn't strong enough. And I hope that they keep this up so that we don't have weak episodes. Yes. It's- I also like the draining the energy of their host is how the Minosaurs get big, and we're not kind of dumping a whole character into you get to be the one who grows the monster, since that seems to be a role these days, and whoever gets stuck with it doesn't really get to do anything else in an episode.
0: Poor Naria. She- she has gun chucks, but all they do is make her- make the monster grow. Gun chucks. Anyway- On a sort of kind of related kick, I do want to say how I appreciate that this direct connection between the monster of the week and the victim of the week means that, with any luck, uh, Yui's gonna have an active and personal role that she alone can take on every week, because our heroes have to fight the terror, but she can be the one to help the heroes figure out who the people are and what they need, and maybe that'll help stop the, the the chaos somehow
1: it's it's very similar to the role that shunpei played in wizard and that poppy played in x and i thought it felt kind of familiar and it's not really until you put it in that context that i'm realizing oh ui can take on that role and she really does in episode two because she's a very similar archetype to the two of them yeah and the monsters also come from a very similar place uh, so it's a really neat connection, um, especially since our writer did do a couple episodes of X aid Oh, it's true.
0: I, I confess I, I'd not even made the Shunpei connection, so good good call there. That one so should I've, have been really I've obvious. done
1: a lot of d- dissecting Team Wizard.
0: I don't blame you. It's a good team. Also, like, you know, it, it's early days, and, and I could be way off, and maybe they won't do that, but they could do. And it feels like they want to. And I... I want them to do that. Also, and this is a smaller thing, uh, sort of bouncing off of an earlier comment, I like finding the cultural associations that get made between things, and I don't know if it's like a wider Japanese culture or just like at Toei culture, but unicorns being fencers is a thing that has come up in this and in Forza, and two points might not be a pattern, but it feels... Like a thing, I and it think makes sense. The one in
1: unicorns... Gecky Ranger might have also had a similar, like a fencing-ish fighting style.
0: Yeah, like I don't,
1: I don't remember, but I definitely thought of Forcing.
0: Yeah, because
1: you know me in a good Jake episode.
0: Dang right, because I mean, you know, again, it makes sense because, like, unicorns, uh, besides being being very like slut shamy, they're they're kind of dicks like that. Uh, pardon my French but uh, they also do the piercing damage because they, they could gore like three dudes in a row, but uh, I just... It was just a weird thing to me. It's not even weird, it's just, hey, that's that certainly is a, a, a thing I've noticed before.
1: So I love Tiramigo just hanging out at the zoo and playing with kids. Like He's a very good reflection of Ko. There's... The minute something's going down, he's like, okay, no, we're going. He's running headfirst into battle, ready to be a Dino Knight of justice. But in his downtime, he's just kind of goofy and likes to hang out at the zoo and let kids, like, play on his tail. Like, I hope all of the Dino Knights are reflections of their rangers that way. Kind of the way that the engines were all sort of reflections of their partners in Go-Longer.
0: I, yeah, big same. I, I... Again, I want to know what that ankylosaur is up to on her off time because, again, they gave me the best dinosaur and attached it to Pink, who is so strong, and uh, I just, I just want to find out how they hang out.
1: I gotta say the robot designs aren't awful. They're not the best, but they're still pretty good.
0: I mean, like, I they're I kept thinking of the Geki Ranger one because, like, I Gekir- mean
1: that's. That's a bar that's hard to reach.
0: Yeah. Geki Ranger but it's it's mostly just that this thing can move almost as good as the Geki Ranger one could.
1: Which and is look, that's a event. feat. Yeah. That's it's... a feat. Um like Kishiryu on his own is actually pretty good, like when it's just Tiramigo being the robot. Like, that's a pretty good robot. And I'm a little disappointed that this robot is another Red is the core of the robot and everything else just kind of sticks on there. But I think the kind of Lego connector bits to swap around where all the parts go is a really neat gimmick. And they do some really cool stuff with it in episode two, like where he's moving the little drills around and then he sticks the tail on the arm to use it as a whip. And then, you know, he pulls all the little weapons off and connects them into a big weapon. Like, I hope we see more neat ways to play with this toy. Because it's definitely the most creative gimmick we've had in a long while. And I'm wondering if that has to do with the partnership with Hasbro now that they've got Power Rangers. I
0: was thinking the same thing, because it does feel like suddenly they know how to design a toy that looks cool again.
1: Also, I love that when they take the T-Rex head off the chest in order to form the, like, chompy arm thing, there's just a heart on the chest under it. <laughs> like, that's really cute, and again, plays a lot into the show's theme of uniting souls, since I assume that heart and the chest is that's what goes inside of.
0: Oh, that don't make sense. Also, I, I like that you can use the, uh, as we saw in episode two, you can use the little soul- Guys, little little knights, and that's the head. Yes, it's a headmaster. Like that's that feels very Hasbro to me, and I'm for it. Honestly, just the potential though that they make. Going back to the Lego connector thing you were mentioning for for like fan made modes, and for the kids to just swap all the bits around and make their own personal like, no, this is this is my version. When they combine, this is this is what happens. When I do it, because this is mine. Just it's it's a very it's a very clever thing, and and while I share your disappointment with with everything revolves around the red robot, because uh, it's not great. It at least kind of feels like it's related to the best boy good striker, because I have to say I like the idea that you can get a full like if you just get the I don't know how they're sold, but if you just get the red robot you have a robot all on its own and it's going to be cheaper than buying the full set. And then slowly, but surely you can save up your pocket money or beg your parents or, or however, and get the additional pieces that you want and add bits as you go. It's, it's a good way for them to keep admittingly extracting cash out of the kids and the parents. But I have, and I do have a lot of mixed feelings about that, but on, on like an engineering level and a marketing level and, uh, Get these get like the red robot into the hands of as many kids as possible. That's really good. It's clever. And okay, um just on top of a thing, on top of there being cool looking robots, uh I also want to throw out how excited I am for the Ryu Soldiers themselves to throw down with the monster outside of the robot, and it's not like the most effective. But it's also not, not effective. Like, just just something about the possibility that we might get further into the series and have more of those shots where someone gets thrown into a friggin' skyscraper and has to run back out to attack the Minosaur, like, that's very exciting to me. That's some exciting, uh, Super Sentai action.
1: Just, just the bit where, like melto does something to like hold it still and ko is jumping down on it and then asuna punches it in the foot she just gets she i love one i love that there's a little like beefy night thing i love that there's a beefy soul and then asuna's got it and she just gets giant arms and she used her giant arms to punch the giant monster in the leg
0: Mm-hmm. it's great i love that i want to see more of that like again they're they're good robots. I'm also okay if like they want to just swarm over the robots uh shadow of a colossus style and just punch them in the face until they stop. Just it's good. Um I think that was it for for like my big thoughts.
1: Uh yeah. No, I think that uh that brings us to the end.
0: Yeah. Uh so final thoughts Sono.
1: Sentai is saved.
0: Yeah. And how? <laughs> like Like, okay, it could go downhill really far from here. I hope it doesn't. doesn't seem likely. It could do, but wow, what an opening. It's
1: just, like, kids are gonna... I I watched this, I watched episode one, and I'm like, kids are gonna eat this up. Oh, yeah. And they are. The toys that were released at show launch were within the top five of sales that week, with one of them reaching number two. I forget which one. I assume it's probably like the the little night duties. Mm. Um, Still it's just like if if they keep up with how fun the show is and you know they really keep putting their whole effort into it, I think it'll really reinvigorate sentai. They've broken out some creative gimmicks and paired it with a talented writer and a great director who all seem to know what they want this show to be. And who they want these characters to be, mm. and I really hope it pays off.
0: Oh, big same, big same. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do we have any other final final thoughts? Because other Dream than and black just... next
1: week, yeah, and dude. I'm hype. I'm gonna meet my boys. And I love we have them.
0: A, a decent, yeah. Like I, I don't see any reason not to be excited. Ah, it's it's a good feeling. It's, it's a, a good, good
1: feeling. I love. I'm already in love with this show. I'm so excited for more. I'm so excited to keep talking about it.
0: That's, that also, very good feeling. Uh, so then, for Laser Knees and the rest of the Toll Network, I'm Aleph.
1: And I'm Sona.
0: And don't get kicked by a horse and die.